Hey, Ding Dongs, welcome back to The Good Play, a podcast formerly about NBC's The Good Place and now about whatever we dang feel like for the time being anyway. My name is Brianna and with me on the line, she'd jeopardize her GPA for a chance to dance with Jordan Fisher. It's my sister, Marissa. He is fine. He's he's quite fine. Fine like cherry wine, as we said. Uh, We're back after a brief hiatus uh, brought on by Marissa's malfunctioning computer and the one time I was allowed to leave my apartment (laughs) in the past six months. I took about a week vacation, which was lovely. Uh, But we're back to our theme that we started several weeks ago uh, (laughs) called What a Stupid Age? So named for the patron saint of dumb teenage decisions, Jason Mendoza. If you'll remember, there's an episode where he says, I'm too young to die and too old to eat off the kid's menu. What a stupid age I am. Uh, pro tip, you're never too old to eat off the kid's menu. <laughs> you just ask nicely. I heard a parent say, like, that's one of the reasons for having kids is so that you can, like, eat it. I think it was one of the McElroy's. was mm. like, that's one of the reasons you have kids, that you can eat their chicken tenders. Um... This week, uh, I think Jason Mendoza would be extra proud of us because we watched the Netflix original movie, Work It. Oh, that's a good point. He would love this, yeah. Which is about a pre-successful dance team. (laughs) (laughs) Boy, this this movie was erasing itself from my brain as I was watching it. (laughs) The same way. Not unlike, gosh, what was that, Let It Snow? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Where it was was sort of, you you said it was like... um, sort of like steam off of a sidewalk on a hot, you know, like it was just erasing itself. Very thin, you know, cotton candy-esque sort of. I do want, before we get into it, uh, to do a little bit of housekeeping. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, and at goodplay.cast.rocks. If you want to, you can rate and review us on iTunes. I'm sure we have, our listenership has thinned down. <laughs> Considerably. Considerably. Yeah. <laughs> But if you want to leave us a rate or review, that'd be great. Uh, you can also follow and like us on Facebook. We have a group called The Good Play. Twitter, we are at The Good Play Pod. And you can send us an email at thegoodplaypod at gmail.com. Yeah, do we want to chat up front about anything uh, about this? <laughs> I guess I'm just not, it? like, I'm not a dance person. Yeah. I know, I know this about you. Yes, I don't find dance to be an art form that compels me in any way. <laughs> just, this is like, no, you know, I'm not trying to be mean towards dancers who I know are, you know, exceptional athletes. The athletes of God, apparently. as Albert, Albert Einstein apparently said. Um, but I don't find, no, I find this kind of dancing more compelling than ballet, right? If it had been a ballet movie, I'd have been asleep. <laughs> this... <laughs> This at least kept me awake because it was like high energy kind of dancing. But like, you know, we watched Stomp the Yard a million years ago. Um, The greatest movie of all time. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, you know, I think I had the same problem with that. You know, Stomp the Yard was trying to follow a formula uh, that I think was originally laid down by Drumline. I take it back. That is the greatest movie of all time. Yes, it totally is. But that's the problem, right? Like... I find music extremely compelling. I find uh, musicianship and, and marching band and all that interesting. You know, Brianna and I were both in marching band. Yes, we were. <laughs> Although, Was there ever any doubt? <laughs> but you didn't play an instrument. So no. 
But still, you can appreciate but Zoe I Saldana was, in that movie. I was going to say, I was the Zoe Saldana of our... No, I wasn't. I <laughs> wished I was. So I remember feeling that same way about Stomp the Yard, of kind of being like, I wish this was a subject I cared about, but like dance does not interest me kind of at all. Yeah, so I think the uh, piggybacking off of that, and, and I think I, I will have more to say about this as we go along, but, you know, I don't mind a dance movie. There are a lot of dance movies that I enjoy. I really like Stomp the Yard, but like the dance movies that I enjoy have a message outside of dance is fun or dance makes me happy. Well, Dirty Dancing is obviously the greatest dancing movie of all time. Dirty Dancing is... And the message of Dirty Dancing is make abortion legal. (laughs) Yes, but that's exactly what I mean. It's exactly what I mean. That... And I would argue that Stomp the Yard has a message of, like, you have to move past your grief. You have to... He is coming into his own. He's lost his brother. He doesn't fit in at this school. He has to find his own way. And on top of that, he went to... He's at a historically black university, and he is sort of, like, redefining his own identity in the process. And, you know... Magic Mike, which is a very popular dance movie, isn't actually about the dancing at all. It is about basically like the seedy underbelly of exotic dancing and like, you know, how people in who choose to do that for a living are treated and, you know, what their lives can turn into good and bad. And so all of these movies, and now I haven't seen like the Step Up movies, so I imagine they're more maybe more in line with this but the the better dance movies or the dance movies that are more compelling to me have like a social message attached to it dirty dancing being the obvious best one ever and that really like while i was watching this movie i was like this movie could have used something like that because to me it felt like it was aping a lot of the formula of a dance movie but like with no underlying message whatsoever really mm. And it was so, the message was kind of like loosen up, lady. <laughs> yes, and and that's you know I think it's a it's also a common thread of some of the teen movies that we grew up with that like going to college is this very defining thing, right? Or like choosing which college is a huge pressure on kids and and that sort of thing, and and it's meant to be like the most important decision of your life. And that's that's. Certainly how it's treated in this movie. And, but even that, I, I looked at movies like, uh, She's All That, where the Freddie Prince Jr.'s character feels pressured to go to Dartmouth because his father went to Dartmouth. And in that movie, there's a, he has a conversation with his dad about that. And he has conversations with Rachel Lee Cook about it. And he has, he has these conversations that like lead him to kind of change his mind on the decision. Whereas in this movie, I mean, that kind of happens here, right? Like, it, the cute it, boy choreographer love interest is like, yeah. do you really want to go to Duke for you, or is it for your mom? And she's like, I don't know. <laughs> right, but I mean, she didn't, she doesn't have a conversation. What I was looking for was a conversation. Now, we're, I'm diving in very early to, to discussion, but I think what I was looking for was, like, a conversation where her mom said, like, you know dad would be proud of you no matter what. Mm, which yeah, didn't, which didn't good, happen, right? That's a good point. Yeah. Because the whole thing was, I have to go to Duke because I want to be like my dad. Who, who died. Her tragically dead dad. Yes. Right. 
who never gets a name and we never know anything about him. We know or how he died. Yeah, let, we know less about him than we do about the mom and to all the boys. <laughs> <laughs> or in the first movie we watched for what a stupid age, uh, the half of it. Yeah. So that's sort of, I think, what I was looking for, too. That I just think this movie was, to your point, like, left my brain as it was watching it because it was like, five-minute scene, dance break. Five-minute scene, dance break. With, like, characters just substantial enough to hang the barest thread of plot on, (laughs) so then now we can move it to the next dance scene. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's sort of where I came down. If we have any more, like, specifics, we can get it. I mean, I didn't really find anything for discussion as I was going through, but I do want to also say that, like, the two leads of this movie have both been on Broadway. Really? I didn't know that. Can you you tell me more about that? So they are competent actors and singers and dancers in their own right. So Jordan Fisher who was also Marissa's preferred boy in To All the Boys I've Loved Before, too. Was it called, like, P.S. I Still Love You or something, right? No, that's another movie. That's another movie entirely. Oh, wait. No. P.S. I Love You is another movie. P.S. I Still Love You. I think it might, might be, be To All the Boys, P.S. I Still Love You I think you're right. Oh, man. <laughs> that erased itself from my brain, too. Yeah, well. <laughs> so Jordan Fisher has been on Broadway... He was in a production of Hamilton. He was also in a production. Oh. Yeah. And he was also in a production of Evan Han- Dear Evan Hansen, which I know you did not oh. like and I've never oh, seen. Sure, sure don't. But it's, you know, an acclaimed, you know, it's a big deal musical to be in. Yeah. Um, and then Sabrina Carpenter, who plays the main girl, Quinn, she is, I think she was like a Disney Channel star and then has a singing career but also more recently uh was brought onto broadway for a limited run as caddy heron in uh mean girls the mean girls uh you mean broadway. katie katie yes i'm sorry caddy is the way to not pronounce her name from the film katie heron from the mean girls musical and her limited run was cut short because of COVID 19 they had to shut the theaters down Oh, I hadn't heard. Yeah. I didn't have <laughs> I didn't have tickets to go see Six and Company or anything. <sighs> yeah. I mean, I will never stop being bitter about this. I know. <laughs> New York City. I miss you. I live here and I miss you. Yeah. And so they both are totally competent. I would say more than competent if you've made it to Broadway. Very talented individuals. I thought she was pretty convincing at being like not a good dancer. Me too. Me too. But I thought she did a good job of like whatever sort of body work she had to do to kind of be like a bad dancer and then become a a passable dancer or yeah. a better than passable dancer. I thought she did a really good job. And then he's he's a really great dancer. Yes, he is. So, um, so I do want to say I don't have a quarrel with anybody's talent, dancing talent in this movie. I thought that jazz was really good. I thought jazz was really good. I thought the mean guy Juilliard was really good. <laughs> I don't have a quarrel with anybody's talent in this movie. It really is just like the the paper thin plot going on. So how do we want to do this recap? Oh, brother. Do you want me to do it? Do you want to I do guess. it? I guess. <laughs> you want me to do it? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. <laughs> All right. Let me just... Uh... Get, get my instrument ready. Me, me, me. 
So, uh, we start with a high school dance performance uh, by a team called the Thunderbirds. And the Thunderbirds are sort of like the pink ladies in that they always wear their uniforms around school so we know who they are. (laughs) And we get a voiceover, which is also apparently, like, I guess in the Netflix writer's room, which I think is, at this point, for these types of movies, staffed by a bunch of bots. Like, this is just how we open a movie now. We've seen so many movies that open with a teen voiceover about how, how like somebody great said this, but they never went to high school, which is oh, exactly you're right. Which is exactly Jeez. what happens here, because this girl talks about how Albert Einstein would he have even gotten into college because he didn't have any extracurriculars. I'm like, he's Albert Einstein. Okay, leave him he alone. He also didn't need to go to college. He's, <laughs> he's fine. Thank you for your concern. <laughs> and she, her name's Quinn. She's in the lighting booth, and we kind of get, like, the 10-second the rundown of her is that she really wants to go to Duke University, which, by the way, did Duke pay for this movie? I mean, Duke is such, like, a... It's like the cartoon villain of colleges. I was gonna say! I was like, can you pick a better college? Like, don't hang out with the, the lacrosse team. Keep using, oh, yeah. <laughs> the fact that they keep using real schools really does make me think that money has changed hands. I think so. And there were a lot of schools in this movie. Juilliard, New mm-hmm. York Dance Academy, NYU. I don't, uh, I don't know if the dance schools would have paid for that kind of consideration. Because, like, what else are you going to say? Do you know what I mean? Like, That's true. <laughs> getting into Juilliard is, like, the thing at the end of all the dance movies about high schoolers. <laughs> it was certainly Save the Last Dance. That's where she was trying to go. Save the Last Dance, another dance movie. Oh, I love that. I'm sorry. I know it's kind of trashy, but I love that movie. I love that movie, but that's another dance movie where there are other societal issues happening. And there's not a ton of dancing in Save the Last Dance. No, no. They're not, it's not like constant dance battles. (laughs) No. Uh, It's just really awesome club scenes. And that... Like, I was thinking about that when he does the, like, teach her how to dance thing in the studio in this movie. I was like, this, they, we've seen this done better. Multiple, in multiple movies. But anyway, so she's, like, obsessed with going to Duke. And I think you're right. I think money probably did change hands. And so she's doing all these extracurriculars. And it's sort of this, like, she studies really hard. And it seems kind of joyless for her. And her best friend, meanwhile, Jazz, uh, short for Jasmine, I think wants to be a professional dancer and like her grades are in the toilet but she doesn't care and we see that quinn is in the lighting booth while the thunderbirds are are performing and she kind of does a little pirouette or whatever and accidentally spills her coffee on the like electric board that she's working on the lighting board that she's working with and it shorts out the whole thing and you know sparks fly everywhere and uh she gets chewed out by the head of the dance team whose real name is Isaiah, but he makes everybody call him Juilliard because he wants to go to Juilliard. That's, ooh, that's a recipe for disaster, dude. I mean, it, it, it's not great. She also, this is why I think Duke paid for this movie, is because there's a line in it where she says, Duke is the Harvard of the South. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like, okay. But also, girl, if you're in North Carolina, which is where Duke is, right? Just go to UNC. It's a lot cheaper, and that is like a public Ivy. So just go there instead. And she and her mom... I liked her mom most of the time. She and her mom drive to a Duke interview, 
So I don't know how true to life, I mean, I'm sure that this exchange is not true to life for a college interview, but I never had a college interview like this, so I'm not actually sure how these go. But her mom drives her to a Duke interview, and they get pumped listening to Gloria Estefan, you know, and I, I thought that was fun. And Michelle Buteau is the Duke admissions person. I forget her name in the movie. I just call her Michelle. That's fine. Uh, By the way, there's no, there, nobody, there's no consensus that Duke is the Harvard of the South. I googled it real quick. <laughs> There's so that is something. Just a bunch of different colleges be like, it could be this one, it could be that one. So like, that, I is, mean, that is, that is, I guarantee that it's like, yeah, we'll pay you to put Duke in the movie, but one of your characters has to say that Duke is the Harvard of the South. I guarantee you that that's what happened. <sighs> um, and Michelle Buteau is really funny. She's, I like her. She's a stand-up comedian. She's very funny. She's also, she was also in Always Be My Maybe, which is another Netflix movie, and. <laughs> She calls Quinn squirrel friend, which I thought was cute. And basically, she's like, hey, you're basically like every other candidate we have. You're like a little overachiever, and that's everybody. And I'm looking for someone who's out of the box. None of this struck me as reasonable in the slightest. No! At all! <laughs> she's a legacy at Duke. Like, Duke is, like, where, like, the legacy of legacy legacies. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, she's yeah. a she's a 4.0 GPA Duke legacy. Come here, freaking break. And she's white. Does that help her? I mean, I don't know. I would assume it would help her because it's Duke. I but don't I don't know. Oh, jeez. I don't think it helps her. I'm okay. not saying it hurts her. But right. I think it helps her. But I would just be like, yeah, I don't know. If you're, like, a perfect on paper candidate who's a legacy, I think you're going to be fine. Yeah, I agree. And I also think that legacies probably are going to have a different experience with like interviewing and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And it was just this sort of super thin reasoning for like why she's forming a dance team, right? Is because this one admissions officer who she happens to interview with. And again, I don't know how this works because I had a portfolio review, but I never had an interview like this because I went to art school. So they don't give a, sh you know, they're just like, yeah, okay, your work looks good, whatever, or doesn't. You have to work on this, etc. But like, I never had an admissions interview like this. So I don't know if it's like, must you hang your fate on the whim of the one person who you get stuck with for an interview? Or is it more like, they're part of a panel who's... No, yeah, no. I mean, there's no way. They would never have a single person sort of being the yeah. the arbiter for a, a file. I think it's it, because they have to be able to defend themselves later if yeah. they get challenged on admissions decisions. So yeah. I think that, you know, the admissions officer could write a pretty strongly worded thing to be included in the file. Yeah. But ultimately, they're not going to be like, you get in, you don't get in. Yeah, so, but it's billed as this woman is, like, holds her fate. Is the gatekeeper. Yes. Yeah. And so she's like, what are you passionate about? And, you know, we get a bit of Quinn's backstory, which some of this we already know. We hear her same backstory, like, three or four times in the movie. Her dad went to Duke. She di He died when she was a teenager. Um, her mom has worked two jobs for them to get by and ostensibly for, you know, to pay for Quinn's college. Which is We never see the mom, like doing any work doing a job yeah <laughs> and you know she's like yeah but what are you really passionate about blah 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 and 
Michelle Buteau asks her where she goes to school, and she says, uh, I for, even forget, I think Woodbridge or something. Something. And she's like, oh, that's that school with the dance team, which is like, how on earth would anybody know that? It's a, it's like a high school dance team. I think, I think in fairness, when you draw a huge number, when you're an admissions officer and you draw a huge number of your students from a particular geographical area, you actually do know the high schools pretty well. That's like, fair. So I worked in admissions, you know, I was a student, so I didn't have, I could never have been the one who was making decisions about admissions, but I worked in the admissions department of my, of my alma mater when I was a student there, which is uh, Brandeis. Mm -hmm. Um, And like, they did know, you know, Brandeis tends to, so (laughs) Brandeis is a very Jewish school because it was founded by the Jew (laughs) secrets. So it was founded by the Jewish community, so it's like a heavily Jewish school. It's not as heavily Jewish as it used to be, but so the places where there tend to be heavy concentrations of Jewish people in America, like the admissions officer, actually did know they would know the high schools around like Cherry Hill, New Jersey, and like yeah. in New York City, yeah, and things of that, like uh, um, Montgomery County, Maryland. Like they did know the high schools in the, that those areas really, yeah. really well. That's fair. That's fair. And Quinn kind of says she's a contributor to the dance team. And she says she's an illuminator. She's an illuminator, which I thought was funny. An illuminator. And she can't bring herself to say, like, oh, I do the lighting. So, which I think actually, like, AV, you know, that's not nothing, right? But, you know, Michelle is like, oh, that's amazing. Like, I'll see you at the Work It Dance competition then. Because she apparently goes and... You know, Quinn is like, totally, and then she doesn't have the heart to tell her mom, who is, like, super jazzed about this interview, that, like, she's completely lied and is now, like, now has to find a way to dig herself out of it. She doesn't have the heart to tell her mom. So, you know, back at school, she's, like, considering writing to this admissions counselor and admitting she's not on the dance team, but she doesn't do it. And this is where we get our first dance break of the movie where um jazz who's quinn's best friend basically you know goes to juilliard who's the head of goes to isaiah isaiah it's gonna be it's gonna be less confusing if you just call him isaiah goes to isaiah and says like i have some ideas for our dance number and he's like you're not as good as me so then they have like a dance off their school looks like a office park so, you know, <laughs> they they have a dance-off in what I is probably supposed to be the quad, but, you know, just looks like an area where people go outside to smoke on their lunch break. And, <laughs> you know, he sort of outdances her, though I couldn't, you know, I could tell by other people's reactions, but, like... This is another problem for me yes, with dancing movies, where I'm like, I, I have no way to evaluate. They're, they're like, whispering each other, to each other, like, they're really good. I'm like, are they? And I... <laughs> Also, that's why they have to insert these insert shots of people being like, they're really good because they know that audiences have no idea how to evaluate modern dance. (laughs) No. Particularly stuff like hip hop or whatever that doesn't have a history of like being evaluated probably in the same way as other types of dance are. Like, um, you know, think about other dance competitions. Like if you do Irish step dancing, um, there's like a whole community around that. Or if you do ballet, like there's a whole system around that. But if you're talking about like this type of dancing, I think it's probably less common. To have... I don't know. I, I I think it's analogous to like, you know, if you ever watched gymnastics in the Olympics. Yes. And like the commentators will be like, ooh, 
that was a nasty landing. And you're like, it looked exactly like every other landing. <laughs> like, I can't. Like, the human ear is, like, really finely attuned to music. Like, we're just evolved to have attuned to music, right? So yeah. if somebody hits a wrong note, like, probably three quarters of the audience can immediately be like, ooh, that didn't sound right. Yeah. But when a gymnast, like, you know, ooh, that was supposed to be, you know, three... 180 degree and she only made it to you know 160 and <laughs> right and it's like oh boy and it's like okay i can't like i can't, i have no way of evaluating this i don't like i know you have to you have to learn like an entire visual language that we that doesn't come naturally to us the way that music does yeah so i think that like even if it were a ballet movie even if it were an irish step dancing movie even if it were a waltz movie which please Save the last waltz, please. <laughs> make that a, make that into a thing. Like we would still be I'm like start a Google Doc tonight. <laughs> we would still be sitting there like I can't tell the difference between this team that's supposed to be mediocre and this team that's supposed to be good. Like yeah, it's just you you can't the way that like so I, I think you know I I made a joke to you while I was watching this I I, I made a comparison to Sister Act two. Because I also felt that way, yes. The final scene is, like, a pretty direct ripoff of Sister Act 2. Yeah. This movie just cribs from every other better movie <laughs> about a high school competition of any sort. Yes. But you can, like, you can watch the singing competitions in Sister Act 2 or any other movie of that ilk and immediately kind of get a sense of, like, oh, these people are very technically proficient, but they're, like, overly formal and stilted. And th- this group is, like, looser and freer, but they also have incredible... Um, artistry like that's all stuff that feels pretty innate to us when we're watching musical performances and but you can't you cannot watch a dance movie and get that sort of unless you are like very familiar with dance and i think they rightfully assume that 99 percent of their audience is just like i'm just surfing netflix like yeah yeah i mean and to bring it back to stomp the yard Oh, you know, Center Stage, that's another dancing movie. I haven't seen it. I know you used to watch I it in have, college. It's, <laughs> it's, uh, my, my freshman year roommate in college was a Center Stage obsessive. Yes, uh, I do remember that. So I've seen it a couple times. But that's another one where it's like, you just, like, you you can't tell. Because it's like this, it's like this very, like, finely grained distinctions between different ballerinas, basically. And you just can't tell right. what's, and, what's going on. And in movies like stomp the yard which you know we we mentioned earlier the thing that you know puts him over the edge and this same thing happens in um dirty dancing the the thing that uh, except it's not in a competition format so i think um stomp the yard's better analogy here the thing that you know puts him over the edge is the move that he has been scared to do the whole time Mm. which is his brother's move from the beginning of the movie. I can't believe you remember this. You remember this? Heck yes, I remember this. I Are you kidding I, me? No, I don't remember he, this. He like at gets all. up on his elbow. It's like a whole thing. But it's the <laughs> it's the move that was his brother's move when they were battling together at the beginning of the movie. He has been reluctant or scared to do it because, you know, it evokes all these like feelings that he hasn't dealt with and also it's very technically difficult. And so when he does that in the final competition, you know they've won because that's mm. his emotionally triumphant moment. There was not in this movie a move that anybody was worried about, right? It, yes, uh, good point. With the exception of the one guy who they were like, we saw you flip one time at somebody's pool party. And he was like, uh, I don't even know how I did that. I don't know how I did that. And then he does it at the end, but it's like not his story. So we don't even pay attention to it. 
So there was not... I think you're right that, like, we have to kind of look to these, to, like, the judges to tell us one way or the other, or people in the audience to tell us one way or the other, because it's not just that we don't have the eye for it, but it is also that there's no story point associated with the final dance. Mm. So that's another piece that I would have noodled with had I been writing this script. If you had been one of the AIs writing yeah, the script. If I had been one of the bots in the room at Netflix. So Quinn asks Jazz to help her learn how to dance and Jazz is really incredulous. And she says, remember when we had a conversation about flossing and you thought it was about oral hygiene? And then she teaches her how to dance over like a couple of week period, I think. And Kevin Bacon would be really proud. This is another, like, this is a total ripoff of Footloose. And then, um, you know, she goes into the dance audition for the Thunderbirds and she isn't great. And, you know, but what do I know? Like, I would be at that level too, if not No, that, that would at least, you could tell because they put two skilled dancers on the stage with her. Yeah. And you could tell she wasn't keeping up with the moves. Right. So that at least they telegraphed properly. Um, so, you know... He Jazz tries to say, like, come on, she really needs this. And the guy from the Thunderbirds is like, well, she can start her own dance team for all I care. So she's like, okay, I'm going to go do that. And she basically cajoles Jazz into joining her, which is like, you know, this comes oh, back up. I did up. not know how to feel about this. I didn't either. It's like, and this comes back up later when Quinn inevitably, like, has a change of heart and doesn't want to be on the dance team anymore. Is Jazz is like you know, this for you was like a lark to try to get into, you know, you already have the grades, you have everything else, but like my whole identity is wrapped up in like, I need to be at this dance competition. And like, I took a chance on you and I could have just been on like the technically more proficient team, but I left because you asked me to. And now you're kind of like, you know, but she convinces Jess to come with her and, um, you know, the two of them then, like, try to start to put together a, a team, and they find, she finds out, Quinn finds out that there's a guy named Jake Taylor who choreographed the winning dance team, like, three years in a row. I guess that's before the Thunderbirds won it a couple years in a row. Yeah, although, yeah, I don't know. Did he go to their school? Well, I, that's what I don't know, and I also don't know how old he is supposed to be. 19, I think they said? Okay. I didn't catch that. Because I, I was think like, he's he used in high to go school to and this... he's a grown man, it seems like. Uh, I think he was only supposed to be a couple years out of high school. Okay. I hope. <laughs> Me too! Basically, Jazz says that, like, he tore his ACL and he hasn't danced since. And she says we've had, we'd have had we have better luck uh, building a time machine and kidnapping a young Channing Tatum, which I thought was funny. Jazz had a lot of good lines. Jazz had, Jazz made me laugh. So she, fi- Quinn finds Jake who's played by Jordan Fisher, teaching little kids to dance at, like, a dance studio. And she tries to convince him, but he's, like, to come on board and choreograph for them. But he's like, I don't know you, and also you can't dance. So, like, no thank you. Then they find all their misfit dancers, and, like, they all have names, but I instantly forgot all of them. Oh my god, they were just such nothing burger characters. They were no- it was, like, a diverse group of people, but, like, no- Nothing beyond their, like, initial traits. Like, literally nothing. No, none of them have an arc. None of them have... No, no. There's never a moment where any of them has a moment of vulnerability or humanity. Yeah. Like, 
there's never a moment yeah like and you think about other dance movies like you don't get i keep going back to stomp the yard but neo well, okay so it's center stage okay, okay. like yeah yeah there's like a whole subplot where one of like the prima ballerinas has an eating disorder That's and right. and her mom has always been pushing her and how like she ends up quitting like she's not the main character but she has an arc or like zoe saldana i think is in center stage is she really like zoe saldana is kind of the jazz of center stage and she has a whole arc about how she ends up going to a different ballet company that is going to let her have a more like um front and center role than the like more traditional wait a minute that might not be her i think that's her who knows I t- it's been but, it's been a long time since freshman year of college but like the other dancers have arcs I'll tell you that yeah 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 it's yeah. not just Blondie McGee who is the main character who right. has an arc although she does have an arc and it's gross yeah and any of these like uh, so this isn't a dance competition movie but I really like Pitch Perfect I didn't see the third one but I liked the first one and the second one was pretty good too but that like there are multiple characters in that sort of misfit not a, again, not a dance team, but a, a musical, like a acapella team. Uh, it's the same thing where they're all misfits, but like some of them have like full stories that we get to see over the course of the movie. Like um, the Australian girl whose name I've forgotten. Uh, Fat Amy. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> My real name is Patricia. Um, but yeah, I mean, she has an arc. The the two seniors do who bring on Anna Kendrick, and yeah, it it's just the. Other movies have made room for your secondary characters to add, like, a little color to the film, and this one just really didn't. So, but they have a montage of finding all the misfits. Quinn then signs up for Jake's children's level dance class and shows back up. Not creepy. (laughs) No, not at all. Shows back up at his studio, and, like, after the class, he starts sort of, like, begrudgingly teaching her how to dance, and, like... You know, I will say, like, the two of them do have chemistry, I think. Yeah, I, I would agree. Even in this scene, which is pretty early on, like, I mean, I think, to be fair, I think Jordan Fisher could probably have chemistry with, like, a chalkboard. Because mm-hmm. um, yeah. I think he's, like, a very... Uh, charismatic dude. Ca- charismatic, talented, good-looking guy. But they do have chemistry, and they're, like, in the middle of this kind of dance sequence where he's teaching her, and then he tweaks his knee... And she kind of helps him out there. And then, again, we get a dance break with Quinn just watching. It's like we get a music video in the middle of this movie with Quinn just watching one of his old dance routines. Wasn't that weird? It was very weird. And I was like, this could have been cut out. I mean, I think it was just another, again, like, you're not supposed to care about this plot. You're just supposed to watch it for the dancing. That has to be it. Because why on earth else, why why would you have so many dance breaks? But... Quinn holds quote-unquote tryouts at her house, but is basically like, you're all in. You know, nobody, like, nobody has to try out. They're just all in. And then Jake stops by to say, like, hey, you can use my studio. It's not his, but he works there uh, to practice after hours. And if you make it past qualifiers on your own, then I'll choreograph for you. And Jazz was like, you came by to tell us that? Like, what? (laughs) That was the one time I, like, really laughed out loud in this movie. (laughs) And then we get another montage. So again, it's like dance break, two minute scene, dance break of the crew kind of like learning how to dance together. Okay. Um, next we have a scene where Jazz and Quinn go to a mattress store 
and Jazz, I don't know how to feel about this. I did not feel comfortable with this at nope. all. Jazz kind of, not kind of, actually harasses, uh, sexually harasses a store employee who is working and, you know, kind of can't say no to her, which is, it's a very weird vibe. And But the it's supposed to be like she's kind of a horn dog. Right, and... Uh, yeah, I mean, it's supposed to be funny. You know, she calls him over to test a mattress, and she's, like, spooning with him on a test mattress. But it absolutely is one of the situations where, like, okay, if, obviously, if the genders were reversed, this would be, a, you know, an absolutely horrifying, yeah. you know, moment of, like, stop the show. And just because it's the genders are, like, the non-typical, like, it's still not okay. No, it's not okay. He, this poor guy just gets objectified throughout this whole movie. And yeah, it's, it's, it's a very, it was a very weird, weird vibe to strike. And once again, I would say like, she's in high school. Uh, how old is he supposed to be? We don't know. It's very weird. Yeah. The, 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 the two main female characters in this movie act as though high school boys not only are not viable romantic options, but that it has never crossed their mind that they might be viable romantic options. It's like they don't exist, really. Yeah, exactly. And, but they're also both under the age of 18, right? Like, yeah, because, yeah, she's learning how to drive. Um, Well, she's a senior, though. Okay. So she's 17. She might be 18. Maybe. Most people, you know, you turned 18 when you were in April of your senior year, right? That's and true, this yeah. is around that time. And most kids turn 18 a little sooner than that. So she might be 18. Okay. Yeah, it's still, it was on the cusp for me. I was like, I don't know about this. Oh, the ser- the sexual harassment is bad regardless of the ages of the That's people true. involved. <laughs> so then, you know, they go back to the dance crew. Oh, the, the material point of the scene where they're at the mattress store is... Jazz is like, I know you have a thing for Jake. You should just ask him out. And Quinn is like, I don't know what you're talking about. And that doesn't last for long. And then um, (laughs) they decide to perform at the nursing home where Quinn volunteers. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if this was the same set of the nursing home from To All the Boys 2. I was thinking that. Like, they just have, like, a nursing home that they go to. I wouldn't. I, I or wouldn't if it's not the same building, it's probably the same actors, right? Yeah, <laughs> just like the the nursing home extras. Yeah, like if you're pool that they draw from. If you're old and you live in Santa Monica, like this, this is certainly how I would spend my time. Like you know, yeah, like craft services. Yeah. It's gonna be great. <laughs> so they go to the nursing home and they can only get one guy to like for an audience, like an older gentleman. And as they're performing, he dies. Okay, that was also pretty funny. <laughs> but then immediately after that scene, we get another dance sequence where they're all freestyling in the dance studio. And Quinn is just like having a lot of trouble loosening up. Then we get a scene where Quinn doesn't get into Duke early admission, which I don't know what time of year this is supposed to be. January is early admission time, if my yeah. memory serves. Okay, so yeah, that because you know they live in a seasonless place, so right. I I can't tell. But yeah, so she, she doesn't get an early it's admission. Not that, North Carolina is not that seasonless, is it? There should still oh, be like right. trees changing color, right? You're right. They they I don't know if they actually shot in North Carolina. Probably not. Probably not. <laughs> So she doesn't get into early admission or Duke early admission. 
but the woman Michelle Buteau is like, "Oh, see you at work it," and she's like, "Oh, right, okay." <laughs> in the email, in yeah. the email, which I think is nigh unheard of. Right, you would just get a form letter that would say we're, you know, we're pushing you to a regular decision. Right. Which, by the way, I, at a school with an acceptance rate like Duke, I think if you get rejected, if you get pushed from early decision, the chances you're going to get accepted uh, regular decision are pretty bad. I think that's what she feels. Yes. Then is qualifiers. Again, like, I, I feel like I'm just jumping from point to point to point, but, like, that's all this movie is. There's no... Sitting in a feeling, there's no, like, real substance. It's just like, and then this happens, and this happens, and then this happens. So then, like, right after she gets this email, then they cut to qualifiers. And, like, they're actually not that bad. So they dress up, uh, Quinn's in charge of their, um, their wardrobe for the show. And she just gets a bunch of scrubs from the nursing home. And the one line that actually made me laugh out loud was the goth girl on the team. They have a goth girl on their team. And she goes, I've never worn a color before. Like, just completely deadpan. I thought that was very funny. So they pass qualifiers on a technicality that I won't go into because this is a family podcast. But they get into qualifiers basically because another team is disqualified. Which again is... For anatomical reasons. For anatomical reasons. That makes it sound like they're discriminating on a, against a transgender dancer, and I assure you that is not the case, but we will expound on it no further. Yes. Which, again, is another trope. Um, like, Pitch Perfect has the same thing happen, where they don't make regionals or whatever, and then it turns out they do because the team above them is disqualified for uh, having a high schooler on their college acapella team. So this is what drives me crazy about this movie is that they get into finals on a technicality and then they blatantly break the rules they in do. their final dance. Spoiler alert. I mean, that's just, that's just maddening. Like, it's fine if you want to be like, the rules are the rules. It's like, oh, okay. If, if this movie's playing by the rules, we're playing by the rules. And it's like, JK, the, the rules, rules only matter during qualifiers, not during the big, important end dance. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I mean, it's it's almost like, I can imagine a screenwriter being like, or I imagine the script supervisor being like, wait a minute, Jordan's not supposed to be on stage for this final number. Like, how did that happen? And somebody's <laughs> like, uh, um... Um, it's okay. We'll just give her a line later about how, uh, he probably wasn't supposed to be up there. Yeah. (laughs) You know, they get into qualifiers and Jake and Quinn meet up and, and she's, she tells him about it and she's like, well, you know, we got it on the technicality. He's like, but technically that means you're in. So they're kind of, he flirts with her a little bit and then they go, this I thought was actually cool. They go to see a dance team like a dance troupe or something that doesn't seem to be competitive although i don't know that includes people with disabilities so uh people on crutches uh who are missing parts of there was a guy who was like missing part of his leg there was a guy who was missing a one leg entirely um i couldn't tell if other people on the dance team had different kinds of disabilities other than that it would have been really interesting if this had been some sort of character moment for what's his fa- jake yeah. Because Jake's defining thing, I don't think you've mentioned this, is like, he's the best dancer, quote unquote, the best dancer in the state, but he tore his ACL, which I'm given to understand is in or around the knee. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. So, and so because he can't dance 
anymore the way he used to. He now teaches dance to, like, little children. Right. Okay, fine. But it would have been interesting if this beat where they go see... So, like, this is the way of that Jake is sort of showing to Quinn, like... Look, you know, dance is a lot of things to a lot of people and blah, blah, It's the other way around. She takes him to see it because she says, I want to show you something that Jazz told me about. Okay, I completely missed that line. Um, I should mention that I was watching this movie with both my children in the room who were dancing around in front of me. (laughs) I would rather watch a movie of them (laughs) dancing, honestly. It always ends in tears, but I did miss a lot. Some of the things you've said have been like, oh, I totally missed that, but... So, but it would have been nice if this had, like, ever connected up, you know? Like, so, okay, fine, she takes him to see these dancers with disabilities, but it's never like he's like, okay, I'm going to get that ACL surgery even though I'm going to be on crutches for three months afterwards. You know, I see that these people have the fire of dance in them and yet they use crutches or whatever. (laughs) Like, he just, he never, the ACL thing never comes back. He dances just fine in the rest of the movie. Oh my god! (laughs) His ACL is fine. There's one minute when he's teaching her the first time that he's like, ow, ow. And she's like, oh, let me try some acupressure. And then it's never, it never bothers him again. Oh my god, you're right. (laughs) I'm suddenly very mad about that. Because you're right. I mean, that's the... That is his defining trait. That's the reason why he he stepped out of dance to begin with. Why he he can't dance. And he basically says to her after this, they go for a little walk. And he says, because I couldn't be the best, I just, like, Mm. left it entirely. But I think you're right. They needed a scene where he, like, goes and meets up with those guys again. And, like, starts to ask them about, like, their own journeys, right? Now, I think there's... Maybe a little bit of a difference between, like, I have an ACL tear, I had an ACL tear, and, like, I'm missing a leg, right? Like, I think that's a... I I don't think that's disputable, yeah. (laughs) You know, but at the same time, I think you're right. That's what that was meant to be, was don't let the fact that you couldn't dance the way you used to stop you from ever dancing again. But he does have that moment of pain when they're like just doing like a very rudimentary move together. But then at the end, you know, they have a very steamy duo that they do together shortly after this. And then at the end, he's on stage for, you know, a while with no problem. So what are we to think about this? (laughs) Did it, was it, uh, the power of love that cured him? <laughs> like, I mean, was it seriously that she pushed on his knee for three seconds with acupressure? And God, now I he's not. <laughs> I Right, like, but it, it wasn't like, oh, I've realized what I have to do is, you know, treat my knee the way that these dancers treat their missing limbs or whatever, where they, like, dance around it. Like, there's yeah. no, he has to do nothing. <laughs> there's right. no modification. There's no, like, moment of acceptance. There's no moment of seeking medical help. There's nothing. It's just like, oh, it's fine. Actually, it's fine. <laughs> or there's no moment of, at the end, hey, you know, I'm not meant to be up on the stage with you, but but choreographing this team has given me a different purpose now, and I'm, I'm accepting that. I'm happy mm, with that. Yes. That's right. what happens in, so again, not a dance movie, but in Bend It Like Beckham, one of my favorite oh, movies right. ever. Jonathan Reese Myers, who oh my goodness, is so fine Oof. in that movie. I know oh as a, like goodness. as a real guy, he's, he's like been through a lot. But in that, is that movie, is that, do I want to know? 
Uh, he's he's had some, I think, drug addiction problems and stuff. But oh, okay. um, but in that movie, he is so fine. He's so fine. But he connects with Jess Minder, the the main character. He he connects with Jess because she has a scar. She doesn't want to go out in shorts on the on the um, on the pitch. And he comes over and he rolls up his track pants and he has like scars all up and down his knee. And he tore probably his ACL or something very similar. He he screwed up his knee while he was playing because he pushed himself too hard. His father pushed him. He pushed himself too hard. He was like trying to become a, I guess, an MLS player. I, although MLS might not be a, that might just be an American thing, but whatever. He was trying to play professional sports. He pushed himself too hard. And he basically says like so many operations later and it's useless. And so he can't play, and his arc through the movie, other than the romance that he finds with Jess, is that he goes from being this guy who, like, kind of feels like coaching the women's team is a snub, to be believing that, you know, he gets a chance to coach the men's team and he turns it down because coaching the women's team is, turns out to be, like, more fulfilling for him. And so... He realizes along the way, like, I'm never going to play professional sports again, but I've come to terms with where I am in my journey that I'm going to be there for other players and coach them along the way and I can be a good coach for them. If that had been his arc, I would have been totally happy with that, right? Exactly. I can't be up on the stage with you because my knee, but... I will be cheering for you and you have taught me that like my life in dance isn't over. It just looks different. Yes. So, but we get neither here nor there. <laughs> he is just fine, right? So anyway, um, basically they, after this thing where she takes him to see these other dancers, um, they do a duet. He's like, you gotta like, see if you can respond to my body. And I was like, hello there. <laughs> um, and they do a duet that like gets pretty steamy. They're just like under an overpass, right? They're yes. just like in a street. They're in an over they're under an overpass. Um just like not the most romantic. No, it probably smells like sewers <laughs> garbage in there. Um but they do this duet. Pee gets- and snapple <laughs> bottles just flying all over the place. <laughs> um we don't see any of that. Um, one thing I will note is that she gets the baby houseman treatment from, from Dirty Dancing, which is when she can't dance, she dresses really conservatively. Um, and when she is awakening to her dancing side, she all of a sudden gets clothes that are like more flowy, more form fitting, more feminine. So this is definitely happening for her too. They kiss, you know, I'll believe you that he's supposed to be 19 because otherwise I don't know how to feel about this. It's a, yeah, it's, there, you and I both know that there's a certain kind of guy who, after he's graduated high school, is still dating high school girls, and it's not a great kind of guy. No. I mean, I think in this situation, it's not exactly the same, right? Because he didn't go out looking for her, and, you know, they've been working together and getting to be friends and all that, so it's, like, not as bad, but it's... It's, yeah. I think it says a little bit about his arrested development, right? As a, mm. But the dance team then meets back in the mattress shop, and a couple of the Thunderbirds, like, see them through the window. Meanwhile, 
Jazz is like having a full shirtless fantasy of the guy who works there, which we have to sit through, and I was very uncomfortable. But a couple of the Thunderbirds. I mean, he's cut. He's quite cut, but also, like, I feel bad for this dude. But the point of this scene is that some of the Thunderbirds, like, see them through a window, uh, and they report back to Isaiah, and they're like, that's Jake Taylor, and he's like, oh, this is not what I need right now, and it turns out his Juilliard audition didn't go very well. You know, apparently he's told, like, conservatory dancing is different, and, like, you have to kind of be a little bit more disciplined, or kind of hide your light under a bushel basket a little bit more. (laughs) And so he's like, well, you know, I can't, I can't quench my fire, so I'm just gonna have to do something other than go to Juilliard. I think there's, there's some probable, probably a conversation for us to have about, like, the just the trajectory of like if you go to school for dance like how practical is that 0.00% but whatever so then meanwhile we see like Quinn's grades are slipping and the Thunderbirds then narc on Jake and get him fired for letting Quinn's dance team they're just called TBD the whole time uh so they get fired he gets fired for letting TBD practice in the dance studio for free he gets kind of mad with her about that and i'm like but you offered it so oh yeah she was not she did not hound him about that he totally offered that of his own free will and so then he gets he's like how am i gonna pay my rent and i was like how old are you and i was there you know (laughs) um and then jazz kind of gets in isaiah's face and so the thunderbirds wear like white and like this very baby pink and so she says, uh, it's on now, and you look like a tampon commercial, which I thought was very funny. So Quinn gets an email that Michelle Buteau is leaving Duke admissions, and she's kind of like, oh, dip, like, my whole, like, that's the whole reason for me doing this in the first place is to impress this woman, which is like, I think gives the game away, right? Like, it means that, like, you should not have pinned all of your hopes on this one person because you just literally never know. She calls Michelle Buteau, which I thought was crazy. And, you know, just, I don't know. Like, she's calling an adult to be like, what happened? Where are you going? Like, that's not information that you're gonna get. Oh, I I don't know. It seemed, it seemed like the exact thing that would happen to me. Oh, okay. And Michelle, we get the notion that Michelle Buteau is being fired from Duke because they didn't like her idea of looking for candidates who are, like, out of the box. I mean, I imagine the conversation was something like, I'm sorry, what have you been saying to legacy students? Okay, bye. Yeah. Which is like, once again, very, very like strange, sort of strange plot point to like hook your movie on, right? But but anyway, so Quinn freaks out. She accidentally like knocks over a statue in the library. She gets suspended for half a day, which like, I don't know, that seems like an overreaction to me, but what do I know? Yeah, me too. By the way, um, if she's already been told early decision is pushing her, that makes it, as I said, like, you know, like mid-January. And that was a little while ago, right? So yeah, now we're in something like February, right? Yeah. March. College applications are due January 1st. Like, this is... Thank you! <laughs> this is over. It's done. Like... <sighs> There's never any sense that Quinn 
has not only not applied to a safety school, but even thought for five seconds about a safety school. Right. And there's also, at this point in the movie, her mom is upset about the suspension because she's like, what if Duke finds out? And then she also is upset about her grades because her grades have been slipping. And she says, I have a month to resubmit them. It's been a long time since I applied for college. I don't remember resubmitting a thing. I don't remember going through multiple stages of a process. I think the only thing that could derail your admissions, your admissions decision once you had it was like if you committed a crime or like if you got something that if you did something that like got you expelled from school. No, I think that I'm trying to remember. Obviously, it's been even longer for me than for you, but. I think, you know, a lot of seniors let their grades slip second semester senior year because yeah. they have already gotten their college decision. Like, since college applications are due January 1st, as I'd like to reemphasize, yeah. your second semester grades don't really mean that much. However, a lot of more elite schools will ask for your final transcript and they do sort of have the power to, like, unaccept you if your grades... Now, they don't do this for, like, oh... You know, you used to get all A's and now you've got all B's. No. But if you flunk, like, a bunch of classes or whatever, they will rescind your admission. Dang. Like, I, I, I definitely remember this from high school of, like, people skating the line of of how badly could they do in AP physics <laughs> without, like, losing admission to Brown or whatever. Man, I'm so glad I didn't even attempt. I, I never had any <laughs> illusions about my own college prospects <laughs> you went to a very good school i love my school it. i went to a very good school uh syracuse go orange their uh, mascot is just a big ball of orange fluff their mascot is an orange <laughs> yeah uh at least it's not racist you know what i'll take true. it i'll take it <laughs> um and it's gender neutral right sure <laughs> um but i never i mean i never had any illusions that I was going to go to like Brown or Harvard or MIT, like any of the super top tier, top top tier, never in my life would I have assumed that. So yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm glad I didn't have to go through that. So, okay. That's good to know. Cause I thought that seemed a little strange, but like, maybe that's just a part of the admissions process I never had to deal with. It doesn't make any sense in this context though, because she would have submitted her first semester grades and they would have been excellent. Right. And so now there's a situation of you're going to resubmit, but you haven't gotten an, an admissions decision. If it, you know, it, it, the pieces don't add up at all. Right. I mean, if it was like, well, you're on the cusp and the admissions decision is contingent upon your grades having come up. Right. If she'd been waitlisted, I think that would be maybe right. more relevant. Yeah. But basically her mom is like, it's okay. We can fix this. You're going to quit your dance team. Because she... She comes clean to her mom, like, I lied to you, and I said, and I lied to the admissions person, and I said I was on the Thunderbirds, and I've started this dance team, blah, blah, blah. And her mom is like, okay, quit the dance team, we're gonna, like, work really hard to get your grades up, and, like, that'll be that. And so she goes to the dance team, and she's like, hey, I gotta quit, and Jazz is like, we're not friends anymore. And I was like, okay, that's actually fair. Like, Jazz's whole life life is about dance which makes me think of when i was in high school i took um we had tiers of gym classes that you could take at our high school i think we've talked about this before on the pod i don't remember this we had tiers of gym classes we could take and one of them was called so you could do 
team sports, which was like what all the jocks did. And then if you were me, you took oh. individual and lifetime sports, which was That's like right. I do remember this now. All yes. the like orienteering, badminton, golf, rollerblading, and so we had a unit of dance, and I and it was like me and a bunch of like stoners and other kids who just like could not care less about gym class. And I was kind of I became friendly with one of these stoner guys, and I remember in the dance unit. I will still think about this sometimes. In the dance unit, he looked over at me and he said, You say life, I say dance. And so... (laughs) But that's Jazz's actual motto, right? You say life, I say dance. Yes. And so she's like, I may have jeopardized my future to help you, and now you're going to quit on me because your mom told you that you had to quit. Okay, no thanks. So she goes back to the Thunderbirds and then Jake finds out because And the rest of the characters who are not characters apparently do not they just wait in stasis. Don't care. They don't care. And one of them Instagrams about it and Jake comes to the school and is like, I saw on Instagram that you've quit. You can't quit. And she's like, you're lecturing me about quitting. And that's like the closest they get to a fight. We get a montage. Quinn is really sad. Uh, Jazz, as I said, is back on the Thunderbirds. Here we get, I mentioned this uh, a couple of weeks ago, I think when we did our our episode about the half of it, where Netflix has started... um, Oh, yes. Putting in, like, I was going to say subliminal. It's not subliminal, but... It is the super liminal. It's a... (laughs) Super liminal references to other Netflix properties. It happens twice in this movie. Um, it kind of makes me feel like we're in the Truman Show. Remember that? When all of their advertising was, like, in his house because that it was just a oh, show of him living. Oh, yeah. yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. Like, his, his fake wife, like, cheating to camera that she knows is there and he doesn't know is there, being yes. like, I bought us. You know, Quaker oatmeal. Yes. It's the best oatmeal. Yes. You know, and he's like, who are you talking to? Yeah. Yes. So it kind of makes me feel like we're in the Truman Show. But we get, Quinn is back at the old folks home where she, uh, the retirement home where she is volunteering. And It's a little odd to me that the solution, like the mom is like, well, you're on, you know, the it, she, like the mom's take is the dance team is dragging your grades down. But like. Maybe a more fair assessment is, like, you have too many extracurriculars. Like, can we yeah. look at the list of things? Because she has some crazy... She, like, plays cello, and she... Uh, she do, does like, the lighting. She's in the AV club. Right. Like, couldn't they sit down and be like, okay, we have to cut some extracurriculars out? And, like, maybe volunteering at the old folks' home is one of the things that has... Like, not that I'm advocating for not volunteering, but it's a little weird to me that it's, like, dance team has to go. As opposed to, like, you're too busy. We yeah. have to figure out something. I mean, I think her mom, like, the 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 rationale we kind of get is her mom being like, ever since you started this dance team, like, everything's gone downhill. So I think she blames the dance team for her lack of focus. And so maybe that's why. Mm. But I think you're right. Like, a more reasonable response would have been like, okay, what do you actually enjoy doing? Which I think has never been a part of the equation for her. So she, But she's back at this old folks home and one of the old ladies is like, I love the queer eye guys and I wish they would come here and do a makeover on me. And I was like, wow, okay. And then that old lady is like, 
what are you doing here? Shouldn't you have friends? And Quinn is like, well, no, because I have to get into college. <laughs> and the old lady is like, listen, when you're old like me, none of where you went to school isn't going to matter, which like, that's actually true. Um, so like, I mean, it isn't, it isn't. The whole shape of your life. That's true. Is defined by, I mean, especially by something as big as like where you go to college, like it has an enormous influence on everything that happens afterwards. I mean, I think it's fair to say to a, a student, like, it's not your the whole end life. of the world if you don't go to the school your dad went to. There are lots of good schools. You are incredibly overqualified for plenty of amazing schools. Yeah, okay, yeah. But you don't have to go to this one school. I mean, she's pointing around at people at the, at the nursing home being like, you know, she was like dean of the medical school or whatever. Like, or whatever. Yeah. And... It's like, it doesn't matter now. I'm like, it does, though, if she saved lives. Like, <laughs> there, there's a brief mention at the beginning about how she, how Quinn is going to go pre-med. And, like, it does ma- I mean, if you are a doctor, like, it does matter that you were a doctor while you were working. It's not like, well, we're old now, so nothing we did when we were not old. Nothing, none of it matters. Like, no, it does matter. No, I mean, yeah, I think it matters, but I think, you know... I'm an old, wizened, hardened person now. Oh, is that is that what you are? Yes, I'm old and wizened. And, you know, like I said, I had a... I really enjoyed my college experience. I had a wonderful college experience. But I also think... I like the part where you slept where you worked in a dank... In a beanbag chair. <laughs> in a dank, formerly industrial... Yes, that still had asbestos in it while I was taking classes there. Maybe that's why I am the way I am. Um, (laughs) But I will say, like, I think the pressure that we put on high schoolers that college is, this is going to be, like, the most important decision or whatever, like, I think the pressure that she very much feels in this movie and, and a pressure that I honestly felt like, you know, our parents are lovely, wonderful people. They also pressured me so much about all my extra like to do more extracurriculars and to be more this or you know mom made me take the SATs over again because she was convinced that I you know I wasn't going to get into the tier of school that she would have found acceptable right so you didn't do better the second time did you no of course not (laughs) I did worse on math the second time wow okay it's hard for me to do worse on math I'm terrible at math (laughs) But it's that sort of pressure that I think, you know, kids can really do without. And I think that that's the, that was sort of the point that this woman was trying to make of like, listen, you know, there are many ways to have a good life. And like going to Duke may not be the end all be all that you are pressured into believing that it is. Like I, I, mm. w- I would think that that's what I took away from it was not that like college in and of itself doesn't matter, but like, let's take the let's release the pressure valve a little bit from you because you seem pretty high strung, which is exactly what happens next, which is that she is able in the old folks home to freestyle all of a sudden by herself. She's like getting into a groove while she's like stamping books and she uh, dances through the hallways and she feels very free and she runs over to Jake's apartment and this boy is an unemployed dancer and has a nicer apartment than I do. Well, they're and in North Carolina. Look, that's the, true. The land is this cheap. <laughs> that's true. She's like, 
I'm sorry, I was able to freestyle, and like, I know what makes me happy now, and it's dance. And I want to get the dance team back together, and will you ever forgive me? And he's like, well, let me see your moves. And then, like, he invites her in, and then they, like, canoodle. Um, I thought for sure it was going to be like, yeah, my girlfriend's here. I thought so, too. I thought it was going to be like, yeah, I've moved on. Bye. But it was not. So all of the dancers, except for Jazz, get back together, and they have another dance montage where they kind of learn each other's styles of dances. And I thought this was sort of fun visually because they're all, like, wearing... It was fun visually, but I was like, oh, is this going to factor into the final dance? It, it does not. No, of course it doesn't. And then they have an old lady come dance with them, and that was sort of fun. That was fun. And so they're using the old folks' home like as their dance rehearsal space, but Jazz doesn't come. So Quinn tracks her down in the public school bathroom, <laughs> and just a lot of boundary pushing in this movie. <laughs> yeah, no just kidding. people like rolling over other people's boundaries. She accosts Jazz in the bathroom and apologizes to her and then basically Jazz come back, comes back to the TBDs after Isaiah is sort of benchy to her about like her choice of footwear. I don't know. It seems like a little thing, but whatever. Like, it's just that he wants them to be like automatons and she kind of is more of a free spirit. So she's like, whatever, I'll go back to the TBDs. So then we get our second Netflix shout out with a Beyonce reference. Beyonce has a Oh, that was it was so clunky. Yeah. And I was like, "Oh, I noticed you didn't reference her special on Disney Plus." Um, yeah. And then it's the morning of the dance competition, and this I thought was very interesting to me because she comes downstairs and she's all made up for the dance competition and her mom like intercepts her and is like, "You're not going anywhere. You're grounded." And I was like, "Oh, this is interesting. How's this going to go? She's like, um, I don't care. She takes the car keys. She does not have a license. She takes the car keys and she's like, I'm sorry, mom, but I have to go. And she just takes the car and dips. She just dips to the, uh, dance competition. You can't tell me that there's a parent alive on this earth who wouldn't be like, who wouldn't see their kid, like, start lurching out of the driveway and be like, oh my god, oh my god, no, 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 stop, stop, stop. I will drive you. Wherever you are trying to go, I will drive you and we will have this conversation later. I I didn't even make it that far. I just, I thought about our mom. Like, what, how <laughs> no. she would I have reacted no, 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 no. <laughs> if, I, if I took the car keys from her and said, mom, I have to go. This is really important to me. When she had told me I was not allowed to leave the house. I would have been skinned alive, I think, is the real answer. Like, I don't... I'm a stricter mother than many. <laughs> yeah, we definitely did. Uh, I mean, we still had bedtimes until we were oh, yeah. in college. Oh, when I lived at home after college, I remember dad coming downstairs and be like, you should really get to bed. And I'm like, I am a full adult. I have graduated. Um, so yeah, our mom would never have even let us get... I mean... She would have barricaded the door as we were. She would have like, yeah. So, but this mom is like, oh, I got to call an Uber. Like, you know, so I can follow my daughter. I sincerely thought she was going to get into a car accident. I was like, I this know, is right? about to take a really dark turn. But she doesn't. Quinn's dance team uh, has to go on stage without her because she's not there yet. And again, we've, we've referenced this already, but Jake goes on stage with them which he's not supposed to do, but nobody says anything about it. 
he goes on stage with them and she gets there and she's she's kind of sees him dancing and they lock eyes and he kind of does a flourish and like brings her out on stage and then her mom arrives in the audience just as the music that they're dancing to switches over to Gloria Estefan which is like a callback to her mom's pump up music and that's supposed to kind of be like see mom I was thinking about you the whole time this was also cribbed directly from Pitch Perfect oh excuse me I think you mean the sister act two uh what are you talking about the mom shows up oh, at the yeah. final competition and she's got like tears in her eyes because her mom's oh. been saying the whole time your daddy died singing songs yes, girl of course so that part is cribbed from sister act two the mom accepting your talent part and then the using a song from that seems insignificant at the beginning but is actually emotionally significant to your relationship with someone that is cribbed from uh pitch perfect because in Pitch Perfect, they, uh, she and her love interest watch um, The Breakfast Club together, and he gets really emotional about the end when they sing Don't You Forget About Me. So she incorporates it into the acapella at the end of the show to say, to apologize to him. So anyway. He's a nice Jewish boy, right? Uh, he's, uh, no. Skylar Astin? Skylar Astin, is he Jewish? Yes, he is. Okay. His birth name is like Milton Friedman or something. <laughs> is it really? It's, hold on just a second. <laughs> so in the movie, his roommate is named Benjamin Applebaum. And I was like, that is my husband in real life. Like, that is the guy I would marry. His, he was Skylar Aston Lipstein. Oh, 100%. Okay. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Don't, don't even right. worry about it. Uh, <laughs> um, he was born in New York City, the son of Marilyn Barry Lipstein. Oh, my God. <laughs> And then there's a line in the Wikipedia like, Aston is Jewish. Yeah, no yeah. kidding. <laughs> Jew secrets. Um, when he was 15, his agent selected his middle name as his stage name. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> so you didn't think you could get uh, stage gigs as Skylar Lipstein? Lipstein. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway. The, the, the hate is real. We are sorry no, to tell you. it's very true. So... You know, you're right, though, about the the mom kind of coming to the competition and then being like, oh, all is forgiven because I see how happy this makes you and how talented you are, blah, blah. Never mind that it's like March or April and like college decisions are done. <laughs> this girl is going to have to take a gap year, right? Yes. Like, yes. Because, okay, and then it just becomes sort of inexplicable. Like, so they win even though Marissa has pointed out that they or would lose on a technicality if anybody realized that their choreographer was with them on stage. And she even calls it out afterwards, like when they're in, so they go out in the lobby afterwards. They win, of course, but like, again, there was nothing in this final dance that I could have discerned as any more technically difficult as anything that the Thunderbirds did. No, no. And in fact, the Thunderbirds had like a more technically competent like whole setup so i'm not entirely sure what we were supposed to take away from this other than just like of course they win like there was never any i thought it was gonna mind. be like oh that whole scene where they like practice each other's dance moves like i thought it was gonna be like that like where we're just gonna sample a bunch of different styles and we're gonna like show that we can do a bunch of different things but it's not it's just sort of like a mishmash it's a mishmash and you know Again, like, I mentioned this before, but, like, there's no move you're worried about. There's no move that, like, in Dirty Dancing, like, 
she has not oh, been able lift. to do a lift the whole time, right? And then the triumphant end is she does the lift, and Patrick Swayze is the hottest man on earth. So like, <laughs> R.I.P. Man. Ugh, I missed him so much while I was watching this. So like, there's no move that you're worried about. There's no there's no problem with them like coalescing as a group, with the exception of her. And that's kind of already been resolved. So it's... And there's also no, like, sabotage, right? Like... Sabotage. Like, well, there is. But with the dance studio and getting him fired and all true. that. That's true. That's true. But there's no, like, oh, we we switched your music. Or, like, blah, blah, blah. Like, there's mm. none of that. And so they just win. And it's, like, kind of anticlimactic. And then they shouldn't have won because he was on stage with them. But nobody cares. And then afterwards, they're in the lobby, and somebody from the New York Dance Academy, like, comes up to Jasmine and is like, I'd like to talk to you about joining us in the fall. Which, again, it's like April. Like, shouldn't this have been decided already? You and I don't know anything about dance school admission, right? No. (laughs) It's possible that this is how it works, where, like, you know, they wait for spring recitals. I mean, that it seems unlikely to me, but not impossible. Yeah. That they wait for spring recitals and then they go around and offer, you know, admission to promising, can- like, who knows. But it certainly is too late for any, like, academic schools. Right. So Michelle Buteau is there. And, As promised. And she's like, oh my god, girl, like, you blew up your box. That's great. And then she's like, hey, I'm at NYU now. Like, give me a call. And I was like. Somehow I'm here in North Carolina. And but I- I'm at NYU now. Right. I was like, uh, okay, let's pretend that that happened, right? Let's pretend you could get fired from Duke University and immediately get a job at NYU. I don't, like, let's let's just suspend that disbelief. Again, like, NYU admissions are done at this point, oh, right? Oh, done-zo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, if she's going pre-med, I don't know that NYU is the school for her. It's probably fine. It's, I guess you, it's fine. We got against NYU. We got a lot of hospitals in New York. Um, so maybe it's... Actually, no. NYU Langone is a very good hospital. So I will take that back. If she's going pre-med, you can go to NYU all you want. But NYU admissions are... It, but it's too late. This too is late. not. This is not her junior year when any of this could have like made sense. Right. And then Jake joins Quinn and they basically just kiss and she's like hey we want to legally and he was like whatever and she's like okay let's kiss and so then they kiss and then michelle buteau is like oh love is everywhere and i was like was that the point of this movie and then she's like hey play a song to this kid who has a boombox and he's He's in the he's in the tbds he's in the tbds he (laughs) He never has a line as far as i remember no he does not and he plays a song sung by sabrina carpenter who is the lead person in this movie or as I like to call her, eyebrows, because... Oh my god, the eyebrows! <laughs> I think she's a natural dark brunette. I agree. That's my assumption. And she dyes her hair blonde, but she leaves her eyebrows untouched, which means she has this incredible... She, she has these very dark and thick eyebrows, which I think can be very attractive, but it's this weird juxtaposition with this blonde hair. It just looks incredibly odd. Yeah. Definitely eyebrows. I noticed that too. And then everybody in the outside, everybody in the lobby's dancing, and like that's the end. And I will say that the outtakes or like the little bits and pieces of dancing that play in over the, credits. the credits are actually very charming. 
Yeah, it was probably the best part of the movie. I agree. I agree. I was like, oh, I bet this is going to be fun. And it was fun. It was more fun than the rest of the dancing in the rest of the movie. And it was like, you could see there was like a, a outtake of Sabrina Carpenter and Jordan Fisher like dancing together in the old folks home. Yes. And they're like laughing and they're like kind of like, you know, dancing towards one another and like jumping up and down in the hallway. And they're, they seem to be really enjoying themselves. I'm like, okay. Totally. I'm glad this was fun to make. That yes. doesn't necessarily translate into it being like a good watch, but I'm glad it was fun for you to make. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I did a lot of my script doctoring as we were going through, so I don't know how much I have left, but I've been talking a lot. Do you want to jump in and say anything? Gosh, uh, this is just so insubstantial. But like, I mean, I think you wanted to script doctor, but I'm not sure how... You'd have to make major structural changes to this movie, I think. Just because if you're going to hang your hat on college admissions and being obsessed with getting into this one school blah blah like you have to actually respect the college admissions process yeah you can't be like it's april think about nyu like (laughs) i assure you nyu is full (laughs) it's just it's like uh, i don't know i was gonna make a metaphor it doesn't matter it's just stupid like you know i I think you and and maybe uh, I don't know. Like, I think you and I are, like, more familiar with the crucible of college admissions than maybe a lot of other people. Just because, like, the... Certainly the percentage of people who end up going to, like, better schools is pretty small. Like, on a national level, it's pretty small, right? And we were also in in this environment where a ton of people were trying to get into really good... And a ton of people did get into really good schools, right? Like, my two best friends in high school went to Cornell and Penn, Right. Yeah. Like, the, it, it, and, you know, every year we ha- we'd send people to like Harvard and Yale and Brown and Dartmouth and all that. It was so, a, it was a selling point of our school district that we had a certain percentage of people who were going to like top tier universities. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and we did not go, we were not coming from a school district that, um, like it was assumed you were going to college. If you weren't going to college. Yes, exactly. That was an anom- anomaly. A real anomaly. Yeah. Yeah. Like, to the point where there was a day your senior year where everyone was expected to wear the shirt of the college that they were going to go to in the fall. Yeah. And it was never a conversation of like, well, what about the people who aren't going to college? Like everybody's going to college. Like even the guy I knew who went into the military went to the U S Naval Academy. Right. Um, and then he taught me how to shoot a gun, uh, props to Albie. But so I think you and I are like, we actually have like this sort of intimate familiarity with the college admissions process. Like the more like the more um, high pressure college admissions yeah. process, maybe than most people, because I do think that if it's more common in your area to go to community college, then like, it doesn't matter if in April, you know, you haven't got it sorted out yet, you know? Yeah. You can just enroll in community college at any point, which I have done, you know, after, um, without getting too much into the weeds of like my educational life, like after I got my BA, uh, I went to work, but then I also would take uh, night classes at community college for like a completely separate field yeah. of study. And I know that you you just walk in, right? So so maybe if your experience of college is either you're too young to have gone through it yet, or you're too say. old to either remember or maybe things used to be different. Or you come from a situation where community college is the more, like, prevalent choice, then you don't realize, like, how stupid this story structure is. (laughs) 
Yeah, I was going to say, I think if the audience for this movie is like tweens, which I think it is. Oh, because I'm sure it is. Yeah, it's when yeah. we when I was watching movies like Drive Me Crazy and She's All That and Ten Things I Hate About You, I saw Ten Things I Hate About You for the first time when I was in middle school. I wouldn't, and part of that is her acceptance decision to Sarah Lawrence. And I, it never, that like just drifted right over me. Like I never would have been like, wait a second, what time of year is it for her to be getting this decision? Like it just never would have occurred to me. So I think if, if your, if your audience is like tween girls, then yeah, I, I think that it makes sense that they don't spend that much time on the timeline of it, but I think... But they do! That's the thing that drives me crazy. Like, they're constantly talking about, in four months, da-da-da-da-da, in two months. Yeah. You know, I, I've i spent the last three weeks, blah, blah, blah. It's like, stop... Stop <laughs> pinning... Stop pinning your movie to this calendar that you're not, like, respecting at the end right. of the day. But I just mean, like, it, it makes sense to me that, like, you know, they're not honoring, like, a real admissions timeline because... Their audience would have no idea. Their main audience would kind of have no idea. Um, and I think you're probably right about, like, other people who either are, like, maybe didn't have this experience. And so, like, maybe it just seems sort of, like, funny to them that, you know, for as many people in our in our high school who went to top-tier colleges, there were a far greater percentage of people who went to Pennsylvania State schools. Yes. About 10% of my grade went to Penn State. And even more people on top of that went to other state schools and, and state adjacent schools, like, like not adjacent, but state related schools like Temple. And so, like, you know, for those people, the sort of push to do all these extracurriculars and be really, really impressive with your transcript, like, that's not as much of a concern. No, but... <sighs> Penn State and Temple have the exact same admission deadlines right. as Duke. I mean, you can't... That's why I said community college. Because even if you're like, oh, you know, we mostly went to state school. Like, state schools still right. require still your application to be in by January 1st. Like, right. It's... Right. I, I think with that, I meant more about the, like, storyline being about the fact that she's, like, overbooked extracurricularly and, like, needs a particular profile in order to get into this type of school. Like, maybe that seems far-fetched for people who, like, went to a state school and or went to a school where, like, that kind of stuff is not as common. Or, frankly, like, you know, for a lot of... So I didn't look at schools that were only art schools because I wanted like a full university experience. But frankly, a lot of the schools, I didn't look at seriously at any of them, but frankly, for a lot of the schools that are straight art schools, places like SVA, places like MICA, um, CalArts, RISD. RISD, all these schools were like the real true weirdos go. <laughs> like, you God, know, I love you weirdos. I love you weirdos, but you know, you went there. My friend in college did, like, a summer program at RISD, and she said that there was a kid who would, like, canoe to class every day up a river. <laughs> okay, that's the best thing I've heard today. <laughs> uh, shouts to my friend Liz O'Neill, who was my roommate for a year. Uh, I miss you. So all of those schools that are, like, super-duper artsy schools don't really care about what else you've done. Everything hinges on your portfolio. 
right? They they may nominally care about your grades, but they're not going to care that you were like student government. That's the other thing. Quinn in this movie is in student government. She's a student government treasurer. They're not going to care at MICA that you were the student government treasurer or that you did this or that, or you were in, or you've like volunteered here or there. Like they're going to care about your portfolio. So she's not, you also sort of have this college admissions experience for other people that are like very focused on, like it's basically the, the visual arts version of like what jazz is going through. So I actually kind of, I didn't totally relate to jazz because we were never allowed to like, have grades below an A, <laughs> um, but like, but yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't understand the people who are like, Oh yeah, no, like, you know, my parents, you know, I was like, they didn't really get involved in my homework and oh, my man. school work. And like, they didn't Ooh. really care about my grades where I'm like, I don't, what is that like? <laughs> what is that? What must that be like? How do you, what? <laughs> yeah. No, I have, I have literally no idea. <laughs> I was having a conversation recently where I was talking to somebody I'm very close to, and he's like, yeah, you know, like, my parents trusted me to do, like, X, Y, and Z. And I was like, what? (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) Uh, Is this revealing too much about... Um, but I'm going to talk about the time that I brought home my like fourth or fifth grade math quiz, and I had gotten a 96, and mom was (laughs) like, well, let's see. Let's see where the 4% went, Missy. <laughs> I mean, so, so maybe that is like a, you and I can really relate to the type of person who, the type of student who feels a lot of pressure to perform at a certain level academically, who feels a lot of pressure to get into a certain type of school. That's almost why this movie annoyed me as much as it did. Because yeah. I was like, I get Quinn's whole deal. Like that was, I was not as, I was not running myself as ragged. When I was that age, not least because like, I don't know how she was getting to and from all her extracurriculars because she couldn't drive. That was like a major thing for you <laughs> and me in high school. Yeah. Oh yeah. We, we did not have access to a car, so we actually couldn't do as much as maybe we would have wanted to do. Yeah. Um, but like I was in that world. I was in that. I was not in her like ultra competitive world, but I was in like one notch below that. Right. Where I was not competing for valedictorian, but I had a GPA above four and... Uh, that was a thing at our school. And I was taking AP exams. Your 10.0 and GPA. My 10.0 GPA. That is a Save the Last Dance reference. Yes. Uh, and I was doing the extracurriculars and I was, you know, doing all the college visits and stuff like that. And it's like, I, if you're going to sort of portray that world that I was in and I remember very acutely. Yeah. Like, at least do me the favor of like getting the details, not even like the picayune details, just like the if broad details is even a thing. The broad strokes. <laughs> the, thank you. The broad strokes of, like, how this would even work. Yeah. Let's so, just get that right. So, like, I, I referenced this at the very beginning um, when I was talking to like talking about, like, other movies that I kind of compared this to. But, like, she's all that, right? Lainey is going to, wants to go to art school. And she has a, like, senior thesis piece that is a portrait of her dead mother. And the art teacher that she has was like, hey, I wrote to, I wrote a recommendation based off of that to like the art schools that you've submitted to, right? Um, And so like, that is at least something that we can hang our hats on. Like she's applied, but like, 
this is an extra step to try to like get her into where she wants to go. But the real, like the person who kind of has the crisis about where they want to go is the Freddie Prince Jr. character. And the conversation that he has with his father is that he has been putting off making a decision. So he is also hyper competitive. Like he's captain of the soccer team. He's in student government. He's super popular. Like he is the kid that everybody wants to be. And yet internally he feels a lot of pressure to, go to Dartmouth, but do you want to go to Dartmouth? And, or is it just, am I going there because my dad went there, etc.? And the his father, who I think is actually played by the vice president on the West Wing, now that I think about it? Hoynes? I think it's Hoynes. I think his dad is Hoynes. But anyway. You get Hoynes. You get Hoynes. But his father confronts him because... They are at the point in the school year where they're preparing for prom, right? That's the that's the sort of big set piece at the end. That would be May. Is May. <laughs> and his father confronts him because Freddie Prince Jr. has been getting college acceptances in the mail and letting them lapse. And not writing back, yes, I'm going to go. No, I'm not going to go here. No, I'm not going to go here. So these the deadlines have lapsed for a lot of these. And he and his dad basically have this, like come to Jesus talk where his dad's like, yeah, this is a real thing. You're screwing screwing up your future by not making a decision about where you want to go. But that's all about the deadline. It's all about you've missed some of these deadlines and maybe I can make some calls and see if I can like, you know, uh, explain this away. But like you are potentially like ruining your future because you, you can't make a decision. But to me, like that felt more real because he's getting the acceptances at the correct time in the school year and then just sticking them in a drawer because he doesn't want to deal with them. Well, I mean, acceptances usually come in like March, if my memory serves. Right. So he's, so he's let the, so like I had my, yeah, I guess it's, yeah, I had my accepted students day. So I didn't have to, I forget if I had had to accept before. I don't think I accepted before I went to accepted students day. No, no, no. Accepted students day is this, is the big push you know, the big selling push. Yeah. So they don't make you accept ahead of time. They're, that's their blast ditch of being like, you know, pick us, pick us. Right. So I have my accepted students day for Syracuse in April. Um, so Yeah, that sounds right. So sounds right. I think that when you're coming up on May, probably a lot of those decisions have lapsed. But so, yeah, I mean, so I don't think it's impossible. All that is to say, like, I don't think it's impossible to have plot points that hinge on like times of the school year and and this academic pressure that you're feeling, but like, I guess do the work to get it right. And hilariously, like the writers of she's all that paid more attention (laughs) to, to that than, than these writers. And yeah, I mean, I, I think the other things that I, we've sort of already mentioned, right? Like, I think I would have had a conversation between her and her mom where she, where the mom would have said like, your father would have been proud of you no matter what. Right, and this is not, like, the sole thing standing between me and conquering my grief or something. Like, it, right. the world is not on your shoulders here, kiddo. You're right. 18, like, t- t- take a break. Right, like, your fa- or to have a story that's like, you know, your father went to Duke, but, like, you know, he felt pressured to go elsewhere, and, like, isn't that, I didn't want that to happen to you, and look what's happened, right? Like, you know, something, some version of that. But I think having that conversation. And I think the other things that I would have script doctored a little bit were exactly what we talked about with Jake's knee injury and his sort of like coming around to either becoming a dancer in sort of like the different way that these other dancers were, were dancing that they saw the people with disabilities who were dancing or 
coming to grips with kind of like being a coach and really like making that a bigger part of his identity. And then the other things I would have just been like, get rid of the mattress subplot, because that's creepy and weird. It is creepy. And give your your bit players like something more to do. You know, give your give your other dance team members a little bit more of a life of their own. And I, I think you could have had a pretty decent movie there, you know. But I think as it is, this was just sort of like an extended montage. Music video. Yeah. Yeah. With some like charming people in it. You oh, know, yeah. I had no I had no beef with any of the actors. No, I certainly didn't. I... Uh, you know, everyone's, you know, I'm glad people are getting work. I don't know. <laughs> I know. Well, that was, I mean, I don't know how much we even want to get into this, but that was the other thing. It's like having a movie that's about like, where am I going to go to college in 2020? I'm like, girl, don't go to college in 2020. That's your answer. Yeah, these movies exist in a timeless space where there's no coronavirus, which is kind of nice, you know? It is. I'm not sure that I want to watch the teen movie that's about how, you know, all they're doing is texting each other and being sad and alone. Like, yeah, that doesn't no. seem escapist to me. That no, seems terrible. It doesn't. It was really, it was nice to see, like, crowds of people together and, like, people hugging. I was like, oh, friends hugging Oh, yeah, hugging remember each people other. hugging. <laughs> remember friends hugging each other. Remember physical affection. Yeah, that took a turn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, like, it was a perfectly fine watch, but I didn't really have any, it didn't evoke any real emotions from me at all. Like, at least, at least the half of it, we were able to kind of have this interesting conversation about, like, coming out and sexuality and how we kind of understand bisexuality and and those types of things. This movie doesn't really have any, there was no social message at all. There was nothing deeper about it. It was just like, here's some fluff, which is fine. That's exactly why we were doing this month of What a Stupid Age. (laughs) I wish the romance had been more interesting, you know. It's not the main focus, so it kind of got cheated of screen time, but, like, there's just no tension there at all. That's a really good point. I mean, I think we've talked about Dirty Dancing many times before. Oh, boy, that movie. Oh, it's so good. But, you know, they set Jake up in this movie to be kind of, like, surly at the beginning, but he comes around very quickly and there's no real reason for him to come around. Like, she, even when she approaches him, is like, you know, I'm gonna, like, lay out my plan. And, like, one of the things that you're gonna get out of this is, like, you're gonna dig yourself out of your dark past. Or, like, she says something like that, right? Like, you're gonna redeem yourself or, or come out of your funk. But it's like, that was a very cheap way for you to get around actually having to write that plot. Yeah. That... That Jake has to have some depth to him because he really doesn't. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, that's even like, even separate from the lack of character development for him, like, the romance development also doesn't happen. Like, you can have pretty thin characters that they're still sort of an interesting romance, you know, plot or subplot. And yeah. that didn't really seem to be the case. Like, you know, um, that Snow Day movie, what's it yes. called? Yes, Let It Snow. Yeah. I thought that movie was. I would much rather rewatch Work It than watch that because yeah. I felt that that the the Let It Snow movie is just it's even less redeemable. <laughs> but like, even though I found the main sort of male female romance in that movie, like I found those characters to be like not that interesting, yeah, um, pretty thin. I still found the romance between them to be. It's not great, but it's it's interesting. 
right? Like, we had a lot to talk about with their romance, right? Like, it's and it was kind of because the guy was uh, reacting in unhelpful ways. Are you talking <laughs> about the... Tobin and the Duke? Yes. Okay. I can't believe you remember their name. That's crazy. <laughs> but they have that, like, one really great scene in the church where they're singing yeah. along to that Waterboy song. Yeah. And, like, and then when they have, like, a confession of love later, like, it's like, it's like even though those two characters are not very interesting or developed characters that don't have much of an arc, like, yeah. still the romance is still a plot that was written, as opposed to in this movie where it's just, like, there's, there, kisses just happen, and there's no... There's no angst. There's nothing for her where she's like, you know, I'm not allowed to have a boyfriend, especially not a boyfriend who's so much older than I am. Well, not so much, but older than I am, not in high school anymore. What if my mom finds out? Right. What if he expects more from me than I'm willing to give? Like, he lives in an apartment. This is kind of weird. Like, there's no... There's just, like, nothing yeah. around this. Like, there's a couple of kisses, and then there's nothing else. And it's like, this isn't... Yeah, I agree. <sighs> I, You know, and a couple other ways you could have added tension. One is that, like, maybe she's not... Like, again, this is Bendit like Beckham. Maybe she's not supposed to have feelings for the guy who's coaching their team. Maybe that adds a layer of, like, you know, this isn't appropriate because we have a business relationship. This isn't supposed to be romantic. Another way you could have added tension is, like, okay, maybe she's like, well, maybe now I kind of want to go to Duke so I can stay closer to home so I can be near you. I was thinking about that too. Like, is he going to move to New York or is this just like a little flint? Like, how serious are they? We have no idea. We We have no idea. (laughs) Like, we know nothing about them. Right. So if she had said, I mean, so if earlier on in the movie, he would have said like, well, where else did you apply? And she's like, oh, I applied to NYU and a couple other schools like in the Northeast. Maybe he could have said like, oh, I really hope you stick around here. And then, Tension. <laughs> and then what if she doesn't, right? Like, then NYU, M- Michelle Buteau ends up at NYU, and she's like, hey, I saw your application, I can get you in. Like, maybe that adds some tension to it. But, like, by the time we've reached that part of the movie, it's like, well, the dance competition is over, so, like, ha ha ha, nothing else is worth our time in investigating. So, yeah, there was not a lot of tension, and, you know, I th- I think they did have chemistry... Certainly, but I, I I agree with you that I think they could have... It just felt like this. they really kept this movie like the thinnest it could possibly be and still have a theatrical runtime. That's what it felt like. Mm-hmm. I think that's a good place to end it. <laughs> uh, Do we know what we're doing next time? No, okay. we'll figure it out, don't <laughs> worry. Until next time, when I say life, you say dance. <laughs> life! Oh, man, I wish I could remember that kid's name. I'll see if I can remember it for next time, but we will see you next time, ding-dongs. <laughs>